Welcome to Talking Points, a ballet and dance podcast where we speak with some of the most extraordinary and famous dancers, artistic directors and choreographers. I'm your host, Claudia Lawson. Today I'm speaking with Lana Jones. Lana's journey in ballet seems like the dream run. As a teenager, she won the silver medal at the International Ballet Competition, the Genet Awards in London, was accepted into the Australian Ballet School, graduated Ducks, and was accepted straight into the company. From there, the dream continued. She rose through the ranks, won the Telstra Ballet Dancer of the Year Award, married a fellow dancer, and was promoted to principal. Known for her incredible stage presence and exquisite technique, she has danced almost every role from Odette O'Dile in Swan Lake to Aurora in David McAllister's Sleeping Beauty. In this beautifully honest interview, Lana talks about her life in ballet, but she talks about so much more. She opens up about her journey to becoming a mum while still a principal dancer, the challenges of returning to the stage after the birth of her son, her decision to retire, and now her incredible journey to finding a new career as a midwife. I guess I just wanted to start off by asking, is ballet what you always wanted to do? Oh, absolutely. I started when I was three and I think I was a bit naughty actually in the classes and they were going to take <laughs> me out. So the, the teacher said to my mum, oh, we'll put her up a level just to see if we can kind of capture her interest. And, um, yeah, thank goodness she did that because I think I've always loved a challenge. Um, so that, yeah, definitely started that, that beautiful journey of ballet for me. And you trained with the Australian Ballet School and then went to the company directly. I mean, I think for most students that's sort of the dream run, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, to have a gift and to work for it and with it and then to be able to realise it and make it, you know, the dream come true is very special and I I never took that for granted and I always knew how fortunate I was. Was David McAllister the person who gave you your first job? Yes, he was. Yeah. Incredible. So he was your artistic director the, your entire career. That's right. My 17 years, he was my artistic director. What it established for me was a trust and uh, a belief that he had in me. And I think that is one of the most powerful, powerful tools that a director can give to their dancers is belief in them. And that just gives you so much um, freedom to be what you desire to be in a way. Mm. How was it to work with David McAllister? He was wonderful. Like he he was really great and I always just wanted more from him. I'd come in and say, that was great. And I kind of wouldn't believe him. I'd say, but but what about this? But what about that? And I was always a really hard on myself as a dancer and he just loved ballet. And obviously he was a, a big fan of mine making me a principal, but I just always wanted to deliver more and bring more to it. And, um, yeah, I think he was just instrumental in me and my belief and my transformation from a, you know, court of ballet dancer to a principal. How long was it between when you joined the company to um, becoming principal? Oh, okay. I'm not very good at I think maybe it was a 10-year journey to get to principal. So people, yeah, so I guess people often think, oh, it's, you know, such a quick trajectory, but, you know, you've already been training 10, 15 plus years. Yeah, and I think for my benefit it was great because I really got to learn the craft of ballet and there's nothing more satisfying than being 
in the corps de ballet and working as a unison and feeling that energy on stage with all of your cohort and all working towards that one goal that's really special and great camaraderie and support and you know not to mention pressure because you can't stand out (laughs) in the wrong way (laughs) um so yeah in a sense I, I really respected the fact that I went up the ranks kind of slowly I did always get opportunity though so I was very lucky I'd, there were times where I'd be doing the quarter ballet, I'd be doing a soloist role and I'd be working on a principal role. So it was a really tough time to get to principal. Is there competition between the dancers in terms of those roles? I mean, how does it go up? I mean, I think often people dream it is that centre stage thing where, you know, a piece of paper gets, you know, tacked to a wall. Is, is that how it plays out in reality? That's exactly how it plays out. Yeah, there like there is competition, but it it's like anything. There's only a certain amount of roles and certain amount of people that can that can really do those roles. And you turn up every day as a dancer, working towards something. So whether it's that next production or whether it's being noticed, you know. So mm. it is competitive. I think the Australian Ballet has a beautiful, supportive nature. Of course, there's there's disappointment and there's times of jealousy and and things like that but that's just because we're so passionate about what we're doing and it, I don't know it feels so intense ballet when you're doing it and you're mm. right in the thick of it everything is just enormous <laughs> any little occasion or event that happens just seems to be exaggerated um but yeah pretty much they put up a sheet at that time I know maybe they've gone digital now <laughs> but um they put up a sheet on the board and you just walk up and you look for your name and you're either walking away happy or you're walking away upset. Oh, it's <laughs> so public to have that reaction to. It is, it is, and everyone knows exactly. <laughs> Obviously, David McAllister retired as artistic director, you know, end of last year, and it was a strange last year for him. And I think what's come out is the changes that he's made, obviously, to the company in that sort of public sense. But some of the lesser known changes that he made were to policies around body image and maternity leave. He has said that when he came in, that maternity leave was six weeks for dancers, which makes it impossible to return. But he changed that so that dancers could work behind the scenes in late pregnancy, work with set design and costumes and have enough time off to be a mom before trying to come back to the stage. And I know you have a little boy with your husband, Daniel. How is that for you? Yeah, look, it was fantastic. And I was, I was really looking forward to exploring the company, the different levels of the company and the, the background as well. Um, I'd always been a huge advocate for good photographs and I was quite passionate about doing some um, media stuff with them and getting involved in that sense and we did some archiving. So to have that opportunity is really wonderful and I, I always um, was a huge fan of philanthropy so mm. I wanted to spend a fair bit of time there and give a lot of time back to the patrons and you know so that was really interesting for me and yes David definitely established a great policy there yeah I think there's a point you know well in my life I got to that point and I was having a child for a reason I was I was ready for that and I wanted to spend as much time with him and yeah so it was beautiful and I think for myself I just needed to see if I could go back to ballet and if it was all still ignited and I mean, to speak quite frankly, I thought being a principal and one of the most senior female principals at the time that I'd be able to just step right back into 
where I was. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of wasn't like that, you know, due to external characters coming in and things like that, which is, it's all at their decision. I felt like it was a hard battle to come back in and I'll kind of prove myself a bit. And I thought, really, I have to do this now at this point in my career. So as in um, the physical or just being recognized that you were still one of the most senior female yeah, artists? I think, yes, definitely the latter, I think. Physically, I came back no problem. Like I've always been blessed with this strength in my body. So it was just about getting that strength back. And yeah, hard. I found it hard. But I think having a child changes you completely. And I think I was undone as a person too, <laughs> having a baby. <laughs> I've got a four-year-old boy as well, so I uh, I feel you. Um, yeah. It just it's just so life changing that yeah. And you know, most of us don't have to return to leotards, stockings, choo-choo. No, um, yeah, and you know, I was, I'm always a bit of a tryhard. I just try so hard to be, you know, the best at everything I can. So I was trying to be the best mom and giving, you know, breastfeeding a really good hot go. So I'd even be like going to a show, performing, come home, breastfeeding at night, like really just trying to Mm. do so much that I could. And I think in the end I kind of realised I can't do it all, Mm. you know, same capacity and how it was, something has to give. Yeah, and you're trying to be all things to all people and just where does that give? And so is that where your thoughts around retirement started to creep in? I maybe you know because it's a huge moment for a dancer to kind of recognize that she's having those feelings of like oh is my time kind of coming thing mm. you know like I think it's a brave recognition and it's a it's a tough one but I just specifically remember it was like all of a sudden I just admitted to myself I wasn't loving it like I used to mm-hmm. and I was finding it harder than what I was getting out of it in a, in a sense which Ballet's always hard, so you always got to put in more than you can kind of get out sometimes. And but how yeah, old was your son then? Uh, he was, he wasn't two. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I just found the heartstrings really tough. I mean, I remember doing one opening night and at the time my husband and I were really juggling because he'd already retired, but he was juggling work in Brisbane and we were based in Melbourne and we had a a little baby and I was working full time. And so he was working up in Queensland every second week and sometimes would have to take Velasco with him because we didn't have enough care. I had no family in Melbourne except for our beautiful um, Tete, which is like my mum's cousin, which it was like his Melbourne grandma. Yeah, so I remember this one opening night and the boys were heading back from Queensland and their plane was delayed so he, they were still up when I'd finished my show. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I get to go home and I get to see my baby, and, you know, and Daniel. And, and then they get home and Velasco was, as a name of my son, he was hysterical and he was crying and he pushed me away. Oh, God. And I just got so upset. I remember walking into my room, just sitting on the bed and crying and thinking nothing I do out there is worth this, you know. So... I think it just kind of shifted a lot for me. Mm. Yeah, motherhood really just shifted my priorities. And I'd been so fortunate in what I'd achieved up to that point. Mm. And I was already feeling so fulfilled with my ballet. And, you know, ballet will always be my first love in a sense. Mm. But I'd got to the point where I wanted to expand myself and challenge myself in a completely different way. So you you went through this 
sort of, I suppose, coming to terms within yourself, how long between that and then approaching David to say, I'm going to retire? Um, Well, (laughs) life life events happen and um, I fell pregnant again Mm -hmm. and then unfortunately had a miscarriage. I'm so sorry. uh, Thank you. Once I'd fallen pregnant with yeah, the second one, I was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm going to be, you know, so happy mm-hmm. now. This is it. <laughs> All wrapped up. Don't, don't ever plan any life events on a pregnancy mm. <laughs> just out there. But yeah, what happened was um, it, he, David was so wonderful during this time. And I, you know, I went and had to tell him what, what had happened and, um, he's like, just take as much time as you need. Like he was always so supportive and, um, yeah, a beautiful friend as well, which was very special. Um, and so How amazing. Went, I know we went to Italy and I had to really think about it. Do I want to just kind of creep away <laughs> at yep. that point or do I now go back, finish the year and have a send off? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, we're in Italy and I was eating a lot of pasta and <laughs> gold with the beautiful food. And we decided before we went to Italy that I, you know, financially too, it was a good choice to go back <laughs> and yep. to finish the year. Little did I know I was going to be doing Spartacus in a midriff and, <laughs> and they're like, oh, actually, you're going to be doing opening night. And I was like, um, I thought I had like at least an extra week up my sleeve to kind of get in shape. But anyways, we did, we did Spartacus and then, yeah, I'd made the decision to finish the year. So I think after that, I just embraced every performance and I really felt like I wish I'd kind of had this freedom years yeah. ago to perform because I just let myself be out there and be open and trust myself and that was really exciting. So I had some some really beautiful shows, very special times. The last six months where I just made it a point to kind of be present and really absorb the shows and my friends around me because I love them so much and they're all a big part of my life and I knew that I wasn't going to be around them every day and that was going to be hard. So it was just about kind of seizing the moment and making the most of of what I had and also celebrating what Mm. I'd done and achieved and where I was at and even still to the end making little discoveries and I was like, yes, it was really special. I feel a lot of athletes go through a real grief process once they retire, you know, it's not just your job, it's your body. It's so personal. How have you managed that step into retirement? I thought I was so sure of my decision. I was so positive with my decision, you know, Mm. Uh, and because everyone has spoken about this hard time that you're going to go through. And I was like, nah, I'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I, yeah, moved to Brisbane, Was had a two-year-old that was absolutely challenging. <laughs> yep. I was home full-time with him, never done that before. Mm-hmm. I had no friends and I was a complete mess. I kind of didn't do any exercise for a bit there and that was probably the worst thing that I could have done because it has to be so much a part of mm. my routine and my mental health. It was the freedom that I craved. And then that's what was scary because I just remember taking Velasco to the park the first day Danny went to work and I was like, 
there's not a single soul around. Oh my God. <laughs> and those paths yeah. can be lonely journeys and there's no other mothers to talk well, to. And just so much time to think about things and be by yourself and have thoughts running around. Yeah, and I'm a pretty proud person. So I didn't consider getting help at that time. I just was like, I'm going to work through this. And I did. I found my own rhythm and groove. And then I'd always known that I was going to do something with my time next. And uh, I knew it was going to be midwifery. So I just tried to pour a lot into establishing that, getting that going. (laughs) How did you know it was midwifery? I'd always loved nursing. Um, I'd always been fascinated by nursing and kind of, yeah, caring for people and things. So I knew it was going to be something in that line. I knew I probably didn't want to teach ballet full time, but I definitely would dabble in it and love giving back. And then when I had Velasco, I had such a good birth and I was such good experience, amazing midwives, and my obstetrician was awesome. And I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do. It was just really clear. <laughs> wow. And so you're in the park by yourself in Brisbane with Velasco. Mm. And then how long before you start studying midwifery? I had that year to kind of get my stuff together to apply and then get accepted. Yeah, a year of finding myself mm-hmm. and my new identity, I suppose. It's always been Lana the dancer, so yeah. it was now just Lana. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, but most people who have a career in ballet, obviously the training starts from sort of mid-teens really quite full-time. And so most students don't really, some don't even finish high school, let alone go go into tertiary education how did you transition from, I assume, was was education pre the Australian ballet before studying midwifery? Yeah, there is this big stigma that, I don't know, ballet and ballet dancers feel like you don't have the qualifications to get in anywhere after ballet. Mm. But, you know, and I did my year 10 in Cam- up in Canberra and then year 11 and 12 BCE in, in um, Melbourne. And through okay. the Australian Ballet School, you end up with an advanced diploma. And it was graded and I actually got honours for that. So I really sat well to get in to midwifery. I didn't have any science, so that kind of depicted where which unis I could apply for. Mm-hmm. But I was so blown away when I got that email back because I said, oh, can I even get in? I don't know where I stand. This is what I've got. And they're like, Lana, you could pretty much do whatever you wanted to do except for medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I I just wonder if you think there is that natural affinity because I do actually think that ballet has that focus and that organisation that actually quite easily transitions over to study. Mm. Well, I'm not academic. Let me just put that out there right now. Um, And I really thought that I could immediately transfer and translate all my skills from ballet to uni. Um, But I was sideswiped when I started uni. Absolutely. (laughs) one of the toughest things I've ever done because, you know, I hadn't written an essay, nothing for at least 20 odd years. And so I was brushing up on simple things, grammar, and all my energy, everything was taken up on just how to navigate this beast of uni. It was full on for me. Put me in front of 10,000 people and no problem. Sit me in front of a biology exam (laughs) and I am a mess. I think so many people would just absolutely um, relate to what you're saying, let alone with a 20-year break between, say, formal education. And so 
Where are you now in your studies? So I'm in my second year, beginning of my second year. I made it through, made it through the first year. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, I was surprised myself, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I had awesome support from my husband and family, obviously, that he was like, come on. And he, I remember him helping me with the biology study one session. And I was putting up all these walls and he was just so patient and breaking them down and, no, what's this? And he goes, okay, so you're physical. So he started doing the, like this pathophysiological pathway, all these <laughs> and motions. <laughs> he tried so hard with me. Have you got any advice for people trying to make that transition from something that's been such a passion, so all-consuming, to try and redefine your life? I think the the key in that is finding something, which is probably one of the hardest struggles after ballet when you've poured everything into it or, you know, being an athlete, the same kind of situation, finding that something else that resonates with you and that you're passionate about. Because if you're not passionate about it and you don't love it, it's really hard to learn it. Mm. So many of, you know, the ex-dancers go into teaching or start studios it's just yeah. really incredible to hear that you've made this change into midwifery. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I, um, I'm kind of, I'm not afraid to, I mean, no one likes to be uncomfortable and I definitely don't like to be uncomfortable, but I know it's not going to be forever. And I just saw it as such a positive outcome and a positive ending. Like, mm. and it was completely different to ballet. And I loved that. I wanted to just do something that, was to give back, was not about me at all and was going to expand me, you know, my intelligence and push me and, yeah, I'm getting all that, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) I bet. What a privilege to be there when life begins and to be with people (laughs) as they become parents. Absolutely. I think it's so special and it's having that impact on one person's journey and if I can bring something positive to that experience for them, then that's it for me. That's what I want to do. I don't need to change the world with midwifery. I just want to do it one, one woman at a time. And if your son goes on to study ballet, would you give him <laughs> any? I don't know if he will. You're laughing as though he may not. Well, no, he has to ask first if he wants to dance. <laughs> we'll wait for him to say, Mama, I want to dance. <laughs> Would you would you give him any advice or would you have done anything different in your journey? Um, the only advice I would give him is if he really wanted to do it is that he has to be prepared to absolutely put in the hard yards. There is just no shortcuts with ballet and there's no taking it easy. It's just all in. And are you excited to watch David Horberg? David Horberg is now the new artistic director of the Australian Ballet. Absolutely. No, I'm really excited for him. I think it's going to bring a great new injection of life into the company and his contacts, what he's going to bring is going to be wonderful. And I think especially in the the hardships that the company have gone through in every ballet company in the world, you know, my hats go off to them all for maintaining that discipline and working at home in the lounge rooms. I just, that would have been so challenging. And like I said, I feel so so lucky and fulfilled and I always wanted to finish when I could still dance I didn't want people to be in the audience going oh she should retire she looks brittle you know, that would be the worst for me so yeah I mean I I 
the only time I miss it is when I see really beautiful pas and hear beautiful classical music and that kind of takes me away a bit. Or, you know, I've started running now. When I'm running and the wind is like running through my face, it reminds me sometimes of being on stage because when that curtain goes up, there's this gush of wind that kind of comes out onto the stage. Yeah, I often, I reminisce, but it, I, I don't miss the nerves, <laughs> the pain. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Um, it's just been an absolute pleasure. And um, I can't wait to hear what happens as you become a midwife. Oh, I hope so. I hope it happens. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lana. Thank you so much. Bye. Take Bye. Lana now lives in Brisbane with her husband and her young son. She continues to teach and mentor young ballerinas and dancers and will soon graduate as a midwife. To continue to follow her incredible journey, you can find Lana on Instagram at Lana underscore Jones underscore. I called Lana from Newcastle, the land of the Awabakal people, to which we pay our greatest respects. Talking Points is produced by Fjord Review. Remember to subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you like us, please leave a five-star review. On the next episode, you'll hear from my great friend, Adam Blanche. It's funny you say I'm a choreographer because sometimes, I mean, I love it. You still don't feel that. I don't feel it. Like, I know I've created so many things and I'm always, like, I choreograph all day, every Mm. day. Maybe I just don't feel like I've had that gig that kind of solidifies it. Your host and producer is me, Claudia Lawson. Additional production by Penelope Ford with editing and sound production by Martin Peralta. And for the latest in all things dance, head to fjordreview.com.